Good morning, Upward family. So good to see you today. Isn't it good to be celebrating Christmas already? I love this. Love the Christmas season. Love to be surrounded by Christmas trees. I love that we're celebrating the time when Jesus Christ came to earth, when God said, they're not going to fix that mess without me. I'm going down there. I'm going to become a human, and I'm going to fix it for them. Amen. That Jesus is here, and I'm so glad he came. I love nativity scenes. Anybody else? I was born to love nativity scenes because my mother loved nativity scenes. She was a nativity scenes freak. Every one of them she saw, she wanted to buy. So naturally, I grew up in a house surrounded by nativity scenes. And we would give my mom birthday and Christmas nativity scenes. And uh, now she's gone to heaven. Just last uh, August of 22, she went to heaven. And the first thing we put on her gravestone when it was erected is I got a little nativity scene and I sat it there. I know she's not there, but when I go there, I like to see it there and think about how much she loved them. Now we got to figure out what to do with all those nativity scenes. And uh, when Dad decides to move, I think my house is going to be filled with nativity scenes as well. When I go into a thrift store, any thrift shoppers here that like to go in the Goodwill and look around, I'm one of those. I'll see you there. But uh, I like to walk in there, and sometimes I'll find a beautiful nativity scene. And I found this out. If you find a beautiful nativity scene for $5 at Goodwill, somebody's either broken or missing. And usually it's baby Jesus because he gets dropped first, right? And what's a nativity scene without baby Jesus? Found something else about most nativity scenes, and it's true of mine and true of yours. I'll promise you, if you have one at home, it's unbiblical. The kings weren't there. How many were today years old when you learned that? Some of you today years old, mind blown. The kings were not actually at the stable. They came a bit later to a house when Jesus was a young child. The idea I'm trying to get across is this. It was a quiet and a lonely scene in some ways. It was Joseph, Mary, and baby Jesus, God incarnate, and just a bunch of shepherds. That was it. Lowly shepherds were there with the parents. Let's read from Luke 2. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly... An angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And the Bible says three words. They were terrified, (laughs) as you would be. Now, there are many angelic announcements in the Bible, many of them. The Lord came down sometimes. One time the Lord came down himself with angels and announced to Abraham that a son is coming, and you will name him Isaac. An angel appeared to Samson's parents, the great judge and strong man of the Old Testament, and they told his parents, the angel did, a son is coming. An angel appeared to John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, and said, a son is coming. An angel appeared to Mary and said, a son is coming, and he will be Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Angels spent a whole lot of time giving birth announcements. You always think of angels holding up cars and lifting heavy things up off of people and protecting people. But there must have been a department in heaven that said, you guys are in charge of birth announcements every time we go. Because an angel would come to announce a significant birth and very often to significant people. And I totally get all the angelic announcements up to this one. Why the shepherds? 
You got Abraham, that's going to be his son, I get that, right? Samson's parents, John the Baptist's father, Mary's going to be the mother. Joseph also had an angel appear to him in a dream. I get all that. It's just hard for me to understand why God would send a whole angelic host and a whole angelic choir to announce this to just a couple of shepherds. They're lowly guys. They're middle class. They are average Joes at best. And God announces the coming of his son to them. Now, we know that God does everything perfectly. This did not happen by accident. This was all in God's perfect plan. But imagine you were the angel who's in charge of birth announcements. I'm taking a few liberties here. Just work with me. It's Christmas. Imagine you wanted to be in the warfare department and you were in birth announcements. You went into the supervisor. I'm taking a whole lot of liberties now, so just stay with me for a minute. You went into the supervisor and said, I'm tired of being over birth announcement. And he said, listen, this gig you're about to go on, am I stretching it too far now? Maybe. This one you're about to do is the big one that we've been waiting for for all eternity. This is the boss. The boss is going to become one of them. I'd have to struggle with that a little bit if I were an angel. What in the world is this all about? He said, the boss is going to become one of them. And you're going to get to make the announcement. I was said, oh, yes, this is going to be big. Probably some presidents will be there. See where I'm going? There'll be all the important people in town, and there's going to be a crowd of them. The angel thinks this is going to be my big shining moment to give the greatest announcement an angel has ever given. And the angel gets behind the curtain, and the curtain opens up, and there's five shepherds. And the angel said, I've been had. I've been had. Just five shepherds. We don't know that there were five, but probably just a few shepherds. Why is this? I believe this about this story. I believe this announcement is very important, obviously, but I believe these people that God announced it to are very important because in this story, God wants to tell us a couple of things about Jesus. Number one, Jesus came as an outcast. Jesus came as an outcast. Back this story up just a few hours and you will see Joseph, Mary, pregnant with Jesus, trying to get into a hotel trying to find a place to stay, and they were rejected. The no vacancy sign was up, and the innkeeper turned away a husband and his pregnant wife. That decision did not age well. I'm crazy this morning. Imagine if you had the hotel where Jesus was born. Imagine the guy wishes now, well, he's gone now, but... Uh, he could have had the place where Jesus was born, but yet he threw him out. Before he came out of the womb, when his mom was in labor, he was cast out and taken to a barn and laid in a manger. Jesus came as an outcast. He went back to his own town during seasons of ministry. And when he went down to, back to his hometown in his home church, he preached a message so controversial, aligning himself as the Messiah 
that they literally took him out of the temple, took him to the edge of a cliff and tried to push him off. That's the hometown people that grew up with him. He was not everybody's definition of the Messiah. In fact, the very people who'd studied the most looking for him and waiting for him, when they met him, said, that's not him. My Messiah is not that because my Messiah is going to be a conqueror, not a sufferer. From the very beginning, Jesus was an outcast. Did you know God could have put him in a royal family? Jesus could have been born in a palace as a prince to a king. Jesus could have at least been born to a middle-class family, but he was born to a dirt-poor family who worked with their hands. You say, how do you know they were poor? When you see the offering they gave in the temple after Jesus' birth, it was a special exception of an offering made for people who could not afford a full offering. God put Jesus in a poor family. What does that mean? He came for the outcasts. He came for the marginalized. He came for the broken. He came for the sinner. In case you're sitting here today thinking, yeah, he came for them, I want you to remember, we all fit in that category because of our sin. He came for all of us. He didn't just come for the rich. He came for the poor. He didn't come for people who had it all together. He didn't come. He even said this, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I didn't come for those who think they have life altogether. I came for those who realize they're broken. He came for those who'd been overlooked. Heard the story of a pastor this week, a highly successful and wonderful pastor, was telling the story of growing up in elementary school, and he was terrible at sports, but he was good with books. He read books, but he didn't play sports. Now, I'm on his team already. But they did the horrible dark ages practice of picking captains and the captains would choose people for teams and he was always last every time he was last because he was terrible at sports I'm with him still any of you ever been picked last has it ever been you get picked what a horrible thing to do to kids but that's just life I guess uh Line them up, I'll take him, I'll take him, I'll take him. And you're like, oh God, please don't let me be the very last out here. It's a terrible day when you're the last man standing and they look over there and say, I guess we'll take Andy. He's the only breathing one left. You know what this pastor said he did? He said, finally, I got sick of it. He said, my brother, who was excellent in sports, was always one of the captains. He said, one day I pushed my brother out of the way and said, I'm captain now. And his brother said, fine. So the other captain who always had to compete against his brother picked his brother. Well, the young, soon-to-be pastor said, I decided right then I was going to do something different. He said, I picked all my friends who were standing around me when they were getting down to the bottom of the barrel, he said, I decided to pick all the guys who got picked after. And he said, it was right then that I determined I had leadership ability because my goal was to beat the other team. And he said, we began to work together and train together. And he said, one day, the rejects beat the popular team. 
I like it when the nerds win. Now, if you were at the popular table, we still love you. Here's the message. Jesus came for those who've been picked last. We tend to marginalize people in our lives, especially when we start getting it together. After you've been picked, it's so easy to push other people aside. Here's a step for you this week. What can you do to show the love of Jesus to someone you might have marginalized? See, in our culture today, the knives are out. Nobody's having conversations anymore. The knives are out immediately. We're deciding to fight each other before we talk to each other. Amen? We can turn that around. You say, oh, oh, don't even worry about the rest of the world. How about we just do it right here in Henderson County? How about right here in Henderson County we turn it around? That instead of marginalizing people that are easy to marginalize, we show them the love of Jesus. So can you this week be like Jesus and love somebody you might have pushed aside? Could be a homosexual. Pastor Andy's not saying compromise what you believe. He's saying love somebody. Might be a transgender person. Again, I'm not saying compromise what you believe. But I am saying love somebody with the love of Jesus that you may have pushed aside. Could be a Democrat. Some of y'all needed to hear that. Just to be safe, I'll say it could be a Republican. Right? It's so easy to get mad at people and push them off. Jesus didn't do that. He came for the broken. And we're here to love everybody. Yes, walk in truth. Yes, speak in truth. If you have any questions about that, look to my series, One Back, and you'll hear a lot of that. What can we do for the marginalized? So Jesus came for the outcasts. The shepherds tell us that. They didn't even talk about the shepherds. They were the outcasts of society. They were known to be thieves. Shepherds weren't even allowed in town because they were known to steal stuff. They were unclean often because of their work and couldn't even worship with everybody else. People looked to shepherds as outcasts. And Jesus said, God said, they're the first ones I'm going to take my message to. Jesus did that a whole lot. Jesus would go to a place and find one of the worst sinners in town and talk to them first. Go study. Secondly, why did the choose shepherds? Why did they get the announcement? Secondly, Jesus came as a shepherd. One of the biggest titles he ever gave himself, he said, I am the good shepherd. Now, based on what I just told you, I want you to understand, we hear good shepherd and we think, oh, shepherd, they're so wonderful. Jesus actually elevated the position of shepherd. When he said, I'm a good shepherd, he was saying, I'm an honest fisherman. You didn't get that. That was funny. I've got to help y'all. Fishermen lie about their fish, you know. Greg, remind me not to try that the next two services. It just doesn't work. Good shepherd, they didn't know what that meant. Because in their mind, all shepherds were bad. Jesus said, I am I've got to recover from this. I am the good shepherd. He came as a shepherd. 
Here's what the Bible says about these guys. It said they were guarding their flocks by night. Did you you know Jesus is your guard? When you give your life to Jesus, when you invite him to be your savior, when you receive him as the Lord of your life, he is your guard. Even if you hadn't, he's watching you. I wouldn't be here today if Jesus wasn't looking out for me before. Jesus is looking out for you. He sees, that's what a shepherd did. They saw danger approaching and they took their staff in their hand and knocked out a wolf that was coming to destroy the sheep. And Jesus wants to do the same for you. He wants to be your guard. Now, I'm going to tell you, he looks out for you even before, but when you surrender to him, he becomes your guard to the 10th power. Not because you earned it, but because your faith in him allows him to be that for you. Sometimes you want to go in a certain direction, and the shepherd said, no, get back. Don't go over there. Right? I got a little dog that wants to run away every day. He loves us. He really does. But when he gets out in the woods, he's gone. And I'm like, hey, bud. One time he did it at night. I said, there are coyotes out here. And he's only about this high and weighs 58 pounds. (laughs) Get back in here. Jesus does that. He sees danger and he steers you away. Some of your unanswered prayer are the shepherd saying, get back in here. Nope, you don't want that. Shepherd was a guide. He took the sheep where they needed to go. Sheep were the dumbest animals ever. Don't you feel important that God calls us sheep of his pasture? Sheep are pretty dumb. They can't find their own food. They'll go up to water and fall in. And they're wearing a wool coat. Sheep have to be shepherded. Some of you don't think you need a shepherd, but you do. Some of you think you're so smart that you're going to make it through life. I'm just going to tell you, I, excuse my English, I ain't making it through this without Jesus. I certainly don't get to where I am, but I'll tell you the rest. I'm not making it without a shepherd. I need one And I promise you, my friend, you need one too. And he's as close to you right now as a yes to him. He's as close to you now as faith in him. He wants to be your guard and he wants to be your guide. And if you'll allow him to be, he will be the good shepherd in your life. Thirdly, Jesus came as a lamb. He came as an outcast. He came as a shepherd. He came as a lamb. Why is it that God loves shepherds and sheep so much? All throughout the Old Testament, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, shepherds. Probably, arguably, the two greatest leaders in the Old Testament, Moses, David, shepherds. God picked shepherds all throughout the Bible. He's demonstrating. The whole Bible's about Jesus, by the way. whole Bible, start to finish. He's demonstrating the good shepherd his son that's coming, and the sheep, which is us. We have a little twist here. Jesus not only came as a shepherd, he came as a lamb. Say, what does that mean? 
John the Baptist first introduced Jesus to his disciples, he said this. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What does that mean? What does it mean, the Lamb of God? You may have heard Jesus called that before. What does that actually mean? In the Old Testament, Pharaoh had held the children of Israel captive for many, many years, and God sent Moses to be their deliverer. And Moses went in and told Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh hardened his heart and wouldn't. So God said, you're going to have a plague, and a plague came upon him. Pharaoh would relent when the plague went away and, and then come back. He would relent, and then he'd come back, right? He'd say, okay, you can go. As soon as the plague was over, he'd say, nope, you're not going. You ever dealt with anybody like that? Ten plagues came, and they grew increasingly worse. The tenth plague was horrific, and it was the worst of all. God said, I'm going to pass through Egypt, and the firstborn of all Egypt will die. Horrific. But he told his people, the children of Israel, he said, here's what you do. You take a lamb. Take a spotless lamb. Take a pure lamb, no broken bones. And you sacrifice that lamb. And you take the blood of that lamb and put it over the doorpost of your house. And on the night when death passes through Egypt... The blood will be your covering. When I see that blood, I'll pass over your house. Imagine that. Imagine being in a nation where you knew judgment was sweeping through the nation and every firstborn child was going to die. Imagine how you felt about your firstborn baby. And imagine putting that blood over your doorpost saying, man, I hope this works. We're all under the penalty of death because of our sins. I can't point to anybody else. The Bible said the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm deserving of death because of my sin. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ that is over my life, that I receive not through my own good works but by through, but through faith in him, because of that blood, judgment can't touch me Jesus you read about the lamb that was sacrificed in the Old Testament Jesus is the ultimate lamb and when he died on the cross and shed his blood he did it for you my friend he did it for me and he did it for all of humanity who was lost in sin he is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world in the Old Testament, they built a tabernacle according to God's instructions. It was a mobile temple. When they settled, they built a temple. That was Solomon's temple. It's the most expensive, glorious building that's ever existed on planet Earth. In the middle of that temple, they had a room called the Holy of Holies. In the middle of that room, they had the Ark of the Covenant that Indiana Jones later discovered. <laughs> I always say that. That one works. I'll, I'll go with that next time. But, uh, that was the Ark of the Covenant. That was a real deal. Beautiful box, post in it, and there were these angels on top of it with wings spread out to each other. And that place where those wings were spread out on the top of that box was called, it was where God dwelt, and it was called the mercy seat. At the end of time, there's a thing called the judgment seat. 
I am so glad the mercy seat comes before the judgment seat. That's good news for you. The mercy seat was on top of it, and the priest would go there before God once a year to offer blood on that mercy seat for the sins of the nation. Understand that. This ark was made beautiful once a year. Could that ark be accessed? And only by one person, the high priest. They put a curtain around it to protect anyone from going in. And the curtain was so thick and so strong that teams of oxen could not pull that curtain apart. The high priest, when he went in once a year to offer sacrifice for the people, let me tell you, he made sure that he was living right. Because if he walked in there ceremonially or morally unclean, he would drop dead. Meaning if there was a spot on his garment, he dropped dead. If there was a stain on his shoe, he dropped dead. They tied a rope around his leg to drag him out if he dropped. There were bells on the bottom of his robe so they could hear him moving around. Anybody want to be high priest now? Not me, my friend. Here's why I tell you all that. That blood was offered on there, and that was the place where God dwelt, and there was a curtain around it that said, stay out. When Jesus died on the cross, at the moment he died, there was an earthquake there in Jerusalem. And in the temple, a miracle happened. Many things happened. Graves were broken open when Jesus died, and people came out of their graves. Read it. It's there. But in the temple, that room... That curtain that divided that room off, the Bible says, was ripped from top to bottom. Not from bottom to top. It was not ripped by an earthly hand, but a heavenly hand reached down and ripped that curtain open. And you know what God was saying? Since this one ultimate sacrifice has been given, the sacrifice of my son, you may freely enter the presence of God and you may come boldly into the throne room. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hebrews 9.12 puts it this way. He said, with his own blood, not the bull of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. One last statement. I'm going to pray for you. Scholars have researched this, and many Bible scholars believe that the lambs on the hillsides of Bethlehem are actually the stock from which they brought lambs to Jerusalem to sacrifice in the temple. How fitting it is that those lambs got to hear the angelic announcement of the Lamb of God. Jesus came as an outcast of which we've all been. Jesus came as a shepherd because we need one. And Jesus came as the Lamb because ultimately I needed someone to take my sin away. And that's what Jesus did. Would you pray with me now? Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Thank you for the privilege we have to serve you and to love you. And we ask you in Jesus' name, have your way. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask across this sanctuary, do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Not do you come to church, not do you read about Do you know Jesus? I'm going to ask you today, if anyone in this place, and I'm sure there are, we're not going to embarrass you, but if you're saying yes to Jesus right now, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up right now. We're not going to embarrass you. Saying yes to Jesus. God bless you. Thank you so much back there. God bless you. Thank you. See a couple hands. Awesome. 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 
Can anybody say, Pastor, I need, I've marginalized some folks and I need to love them. Pray for me. Can I see your hands? Yep, yep, I knew that, knew that. It's happened to me. Can anybody say, I need a shepherd. I need somebody to guide me. Amen, 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 amen. We're gonna pray right now for those saying yes to Jesus. Pray with me, church. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, for dying for me. I ask you today in Jesus' name, forgive my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Amen. Can we celebrate that right now? Would you stand to your feet right now? Anybody sick here today? Can I see your hand if you're sick, if you're battling sickness? Can I see it? Raise it up high. Wave it at me. Come on. This is the healthiest bunch I've ever seen in 100 years. Can I see your hand? Anybody sick? Anybody know what it's like to be a bit discouraged around the holidays anybody have heavy hearts around holidays can I see your hands all right I'm gonna ask all of you that raise your hands come on up and be with us right here right in front deacons come on pastoral staff come on I need you up here really quick yeah we're changing things up today isn't that good come on I need you come on come on come on hurry on hurry on don't wait we're not gonna hurt you we love you Thursday night we did this uh guy told me we prayed for the sick Thursday night guy told me I came up my wife's back was hurting at home. He said, I came up, got prayed for. She got healed at home. He had chronic back pain that he wasn't even praying for. And he said, by the way, God touched my back. He, he got healed. Both of them free from back pain right now. Awesome. All right. Pastoral staff and deacons, come up here. If you come to be prayed for, back up just a little bit so we can get in front of you here. We're a little disorganized today, but we're doing new stuff. All right, guys, I'm going to pray. Matt, you can lead us in a worship song as I do it. And I want you to move about and lay hands on these people and believe God to heal them. Amen. God's just going to do it. I'm just telling you, we're not, nothing doubting. We're going to believe God to heal people. We're going to believe God to touch people who are struggling with depression and discouragement today. All right, go. Love you. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you today, Jesus. You are a healer. You are a mighty savior. You are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the one who does all things for your glory and for the blessing and upbuilding of your people. Jesus, I thank you today for hearts that are filled with faith. I thank you for people today here, Jesus, who have come forward believing you, God. And God, I'm asking you to heal the sick all across this front today, Jesus. Manifest your glory in this place, Jesus, by doing miracles. Not so we can say, look it upward or look at us, but so we can look up to you and say, thank you, Jesus, for who you are and for what you have done. And Jesus, we believe we're going to see the supernatural at work in our lives. God, I pray for people. Some of them didn't come up. They're back there. Lord, go back there to them who are discouraged and who are facing this holiday season with a heaviness and a grief. Jesus, I pray in your name that you'll touch them encourage their hearts today Jesus by your Holy Spirit shine your presence over them Jesus make yourself known glorify your name here today Jesus as we pray together and we thank you for this Jesus now can we just begin to thank him right now for it right now Jesus thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you Awesome, awesome. Amen. Love y'all. If you need further prayer, or maybe you didn't get God.
We have deacons here who'd love to meet you at the back and pray for you as well. All right, all right. All right, now that I've totally messed up the order of service, I don't know what to do next. Are you going to sing something, Matthew? We're doing communion, aren't we? Oh, Lord. I thought I was ahead. See, I'm a creature of habit. When I mess it up, I don't know what's going. Please take out your communion cups. If anybody didn't get one, would you raise your hand really quick so our deacons can serve you? Anybody that didn't? All right. All right. It's only going to take you about six minutes to get these things open, so just go ahead. Love this moment. The Bible says, examine yourself. Examine yourself. If there's any sin in your life, now's the time to say, Jesus, forgive me. Anger and unforgiveness in your life, Jesus, forgive me. Whatever it is, Jesus, forgive me. And you know, he does that instantly. You don't have to beg. You don't have to plead. He does it. Jesus, forgive me. Would you just pray that with me? Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, cleanse me. Jesus, wash me. The Bible says on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. Thank you, Jesus, for your death. Thank you, Jesus, for your life poured out for us. All right, let me bless you now, Jesus. Thank you for your presence, your peace. Thank you, Lord, that you are indeed the Prince of Peace. And whatever storm is, is sailing us right now, whatever issue we're dealing with right now, Jesus, I speak your peace to it. I speak your freedom to it. I speak your deliverance to it over your people in Jesus' name. Now, I commission you, go out. Make Jesus known wherever you go. Amen. Love you. Love you. See you next time.